The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Oh! Wow! Erosa with the spinning attack sits him down. This is an amazing fight, though. No, it's incredible. This is what the UFC is all about. Julian Juicy J. Erosa! Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Please tell me that's on video. I've never been happier. I'm made for a fucking podcast. That's dangerous. Listen to me, we're at it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. Um, Matt is away. We found out yesterday that Matt is, uh, and we can't even get mad at Matt because he's with Dana. Like, what are you going to do when he's with the boss? That's the excuse. And uh, so, Brendan uh, Fitzgerald, thanks for being here with us. So we appreciate it. Ah, uh, good to have you, Jim. I mean, not good to have you. Good to be had by you that's on a your person show. Who, right? you host, <laughs> that's how I know you host stuff because your your automatic thing is good to have you. And by the yeah. way, what a phony I am! I said, "Hey, thanks for being with us." It's just me and you. So thanks for joining me today. Oh yeah, man, it's awesome. Uh, you've had me on the show several times. Grateful yeah. every time. So good to chop it up with you. Yeah, it's always. And we have uh, Julian Rosa is coming up. It's an amazing, uh, amazing fight. And we also have um, uh, Andrew Her. He's an actor on uh, the show is called Letter Kenny. He'll be joining us. Apparently, he's a big UFC fan. I always like when our non-fighter. Um, did you have Peterson? Like that was a really tough fight to uh, to pick. Uh, it, was, it seemed like it was first round was fairly obvious. Second round, yeah, you get that Peterson. Third round was very very difficult. Yeah, um, I thought Arosa won it at the end of it. Um, yeah. I knew it was going to be a great fight opener of the main card. Um, I've had a roast on my podcast and I like him quite a bit. And he is like one of the most inspirational fighters on the roster to me, because how many guys we get cut, not once, not twice, but three times and still find themselves in the gym. And he's, uh, he lives here in Las Vegas. And, you know, when I have my white belt on and I've got my gi on and I'm like doing jujitsu day one at extreme couture or whatever. And I'm, it's kind of my first time in a real MMA gym to train and kind of see, uh, like how pros do it and stuff. And I saw Julian Arosa in the corner. I'm just like, gosh, he's already been cut a few times by the UFC. Here he yeah. is grinding away. I'm so happy for him. He's such a nice guy. And he's like a great fighter. And it just seems like everything has clicked for yeah. him, which is good. Yeah, I'm really happy too. I mean, and that was just an incredible, there's nothing better in, in, in any type of combat sports than watching two guys just fight like that. Uh, yeah. and, and Julian Arosa is ready to go. So let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Julian. Hello, guys. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How you guys doing? 
How's the face, man? Uh, it's not too bad. I mean, I'm a little, a little banged up a little bit, but uh, no worse for the wear, man. I used to, I used to be worse than sparring sometimes, so we all right. <laughs> How, how did you feel? We were just talking before you. That was such an incredible fight. And I literally would have called that a draw until the last 30 seconds of the third <laughs> round. Like, I, I was impressed with what you did in the last 30 seconds. Um, and even though he was like trying to throw up submissions from his back, he didn't just lay there and take it. Uh, how, how did you feel at the end of the fight? Oh, man. Uh, you know, it was just such a it was such a hectic fight that you really don't know where you're at. I felt after the first round, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I felt like I was really classy. And I felt like I was a bit uh, quicker than him off the jump. And I felt like I had bagged the first round in and he was already busted up. His nose was like broken or something was going on with his face. He had a lot of blood coming out. I felt it was just a matter of time and inevitable that he was going to get finished in the second or the third round. And um, it was weird. Even my coaches were like, it was crazy. Like, I thought he was broken and done. And then he got stronger as, as he was getting hit in the face. And I was like, yeah. And I almost kind of gassed myself out in the first half of that first second round, trying to get the finish. And uh, then he was able to come back and he almost, you know, finished me. And, and that kind of gave me a little bit more life as well. And I landed a spinning back fist after he was hurting me. And, and I hurt him again with the spinning back fist. And then we just kind of got wild again. And, and uh, after, you know, in between the first and second versus in between the second and third was two completely different type of uh, mentalities that I had. You know, I was trying to be clean and trying to get the finish. And then in between the second and third, I was just like, you know what, this is it. And uh, we're just going to fight. And my coach was like, we were going from instructing you to just trying to encourage you. <laughs> and yeah. so that's the, uh, the game plan of this or the, the story of the fight. It was they were trying to keep me on my P's and Q's in the beginning. And then it, they went, you know what? We knew that we, we know that once Julian gets into a certain mode, it's just more of encouragement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you expect Julian? Cause a lot of fight fans knew, you know, and the matchmakers put this on the opener of the main card. That's how you start a main card. What type of fight did you expect? Exactly what it was. You know, I, I honestly thought his cardio was going to be a bit worse than it was. I've watched some of his fights. I knew he was tough and durable, but, uh, Tough and durable only gets you so far. You know, I really put the work in for my cardio. And I just thought maybe, and then him missing weight, I thought his cardio was going to be a little suspect. But God damn, the kid's tough and he was durable. And and, and cardio is 90% mental. You know, your body, your body wants to, uh, your body can go, you know, further than your mind can go. And, uh, you know, and he really showed that, you know. Uh, I know my cardio is in, in top shape, but man, he got me tired with just his durability and his toughness. But that's exactly how I, I seen the fight going. I felt like I was going to be a little cleaner, but um, I knew <laughs> there's a saying that says uh, my coaches like to say that sometimes a fight breaks out in an MMA match. I think that's just what happened. You know, the MMA fight was going, felt clean, and then a fight broke out in it, and then I just had to fucking hold on for dear life and hope I got the decision. I was amazed that that uh, that fight didn't end on the floor too. I was it like ten seconds he managed to get up, and then you throw those two crazy. I don't even know what you'd call them. Those spinning attacks. Like I, I couldn't believe he got back up after that. That it was incredible. Yeah, you know, I uh, we we ended up on the ground, and I ended up hitting him with an elbow in the last like thirty seconds of the fight that cut him really wide open on the top of his head. I actually apologized to him afterwards because I hate when that happens. Like I was probably gonna win the fight. Or whatever was gonna happen was gonna happen, but now he's gonna get stitched up and he's gotta deal with that shit. And uh, but yeah, I, he kind of kicked me off, and I was like, you know what? I'd rather finish this fight on the feet. So I backed up a little bit, and then I tried jumping, and he jumped at the same time. I think we kind of ran into each other a little bit. I did a weird spinning, random hill kick, and then I did a front flip, and 
I'd see it's so funny because I only thought about doing that literally a second before I did it. It wasn't anything that I was like, oh, I'm just gonna front flip if I can front flip. I had never done that in any type of fight, amateur, professional. I got over, you know, 45 fights as an amateur and a professional. And so it was one of those things that I've seen before. And I was like, hey, you know what? We got two seconds left. <laughs> I'm gonna put a statement and you know, he can't really do nothing. There's no risk really. I mean, it's only reward I could maybe land a knockout kick right here. So that was kind of the, the thought process through that. What you guys were all respect afterwards, but you had called for this fight. You kind of called him out. He was surprised about it. He said you were in his DMs. What was the story there, Julian? So to really go from the uh, the beginning of it all, you know, I lost to Song Wu Choi. I got knocked out by him and um, was looking for a fight. I was looking for featherweights that were available. And uh, he had just fought Chase Cooper the weekend before I fought Choi. And he had called out Nate Landwehr. And I was, didn't even he wasn't even on my radar and um and uh i seen that landwehr got booked up and i was like well shit if landwehr's booked up and he was calling landwehr out i fought landwehr why don't the peterson just fight me maybe i'll send him a dm and so i sent him a dm and i was nice courteous and i'm not like a real calling kind of person but i was like hey man october november december whatever works for you let's do it and uh he ignored me and then i called him out on my instagram respectfully and he ignored me again and then I was like, you know what? Maybe I'm gonna start chipping at him, and uh, and maybe that's how fights start. You know, maybe if I, you know, he seems like an aggressive guy. If I, if I like, you know, uh, if I troll him a little bit, maybe that'll uh, entice him into doing it. And so I, I would start doing that, and he still was ignoring me, ignoring me, ignoring me. And then I got the Jordan fight on short notice, and I said, you know what? This is the fight I want. Took that fight, did good, and and I for- completely forgot about the Peterson fight. A couple weeks later, my manager asked me to fight fill in for Trezano who fought on the same card, but he was actually supposed to fight previous, but his fight fell out and they were going to try to have me fill in short notice, but my shin was pretty messed up from the Jordan fight. So I missed out on that fight. And then uh, a couple of days after he offered me that Trezano fight, he calls me and he's like, Hey man, how much do you love me? And I'm like, bro, I fucking love you. I'm still in the UFC. I'm like, I, you've done so much for me. And he's all like, and I'm trying to figure out why he was calling me, asking me that. And he's like, we've got the Peterson fight February 5th. And I was like, Oh, hell yeah. And so I was super pumped about that. But, you know, what's even crazier is about six weeks prior to this fight, he still had ignored me, never even really responded to me. He had posted some things about me, but never, never really, like, directly responded to anything I had said to him. And he had posted, like, a, uh, uh, a meal prep uh, company that he was eating off of. And I had, and I had, I had uh, responded to his story, and I said, hey, bro, don't miss weight again. Uh, just show up. Make sure you show up and make weight. And because he had missed weight with the Hooper fight, yeah, probably about six weeks ago before the fight, and uh, he, he finally responds to me and he's all like, "You should like to talk shit, don't you, bitch?" And I was all like, <laughs> "I was like, I was like, he missed weight last fight," and uh, I'm like, "I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, telling you what you did. And I think that's cheating, you know. Missing weight is cheating to me." And so I was like, "You're a cheater, bro." And uh, and he's like, "Whatever, blah blah blah." And then uh, sure enough, man, it's funny because me and my wife were talking and. And uh, after I told her I'd done that, uh, I was like, I wonder if he shows up and misses weight again. How fucking crazy would that be? And she's like, there's no fucking way he does that. There's no way someone calls you out six weeks before the fight saying that shit and doesn't make weight. And sure enough, the only guy not to make weight. And you know what? I did end up feeling sorry for him towards the end because of the whole bonus thing. It's that situation. But for me at the time, I was all like, man, this guy's a motherfucking piece of dog shit. Like, to show up, not make weight after I fucking told him that shit. 
And, uh, you know, the only guy to miss weight on the whole thing. And he, he basically got what was coming to him by not getting the bonus and losing 30% of his, uh, his purse to me. Um, but that's part of it, man. The weight cut is the hardest fucking part. And any, any fighter will tell you that, especially guys that are cutting a lot of weight like I do and, uh, or like featherweights and, you know, so, uh, for, for me, I felt a tad bit sorry for him in that sense, but in the overall general sense of it, I don't feel sorry. I mean, it's his mistake. It's on him. He should have been on top of it. I have no, I have no part of that. If anything, I was trying to help him by fucking yeah. calling him prior about it. So, uh, for him not to show up and not make weight, you know, he, he definitely bit the bullet on that. And I do, you know, I do kind of feel sorry. I feel bad about the whole situation for him because he did put on a really good fight without him. I wouldn't have got the fight of the night bonus because, you know, it takes two to tango, but it's not my fault. He didn't make weight. It's his coach's fault. It's the people around his fault. It's his fault. So yeah. And you got to make weight. Like it's one of those things where you can have empathy for someone fucking it up, but you also know like, Hey, you had to get down away too. Yeah. I mean, me, me and him are contracted to do the same thing. He's made 135 before. I could never do that. And so, like, 45 is hard for me to make. I'm a six foot one featherweight. You see some of these other guys, like even uh, uh, do. I ran into him at the casino the, yesterday and congratulated on his win. He congratulated me. And I was, like, standing right next to him, like, man, this guy's a small guy. Uh, and we fight the same weight class. And it's because some, you know, some of these guys, you know, don't want to cut as much weight. But, you know, that's not even it. But it just it just really shows, like, I'm I'm a really tall, big featherweight. So for me to get down that weight, anybody can do it, man. Especially someone who's made 35 before, and and so I really didn't feel sorry for him. Uh, you know, really at the end of it, because it really kind of boils down to uh, it's his own fault. Yeah, and uh, something like you had lost, I think, three straight at one point, and then since 2020, you're, you're five out of six wins, which is great. Was there anything that changed for you, or did you make an effort to do something in particular different? Uh. Not necessarily. I think, uh, well, you know, uh, the mindset was still the same. You know, I was still optimistic about being, uh, you know, a successful UFC fighter. And um, but uh, just changing the things around me, my coaching um, and my specific sparring that I was doing before it used to be I I'm a really like easygoing type of person, non-confrontational. So like like. I would just do the practices that I, you know, you know, that most people did and not really like tell my coaches to do this or do that. And then after the Choi fight, I felt really like we hadn't prepared very correctly for that fight. And I told my coaches, Hey, I want to spar at this time, get the cage at this time. I need you two to be there. I need one sparring partner. Cause before I used to go to extreme couture and just spar during the sparring days they had. And it was like, I was sparring five separate guys on a big open mat bumping into people like my coaches can't watch me because they're watching seven other people go. I'm like, fuck that. Let's go to extreme at two 30. No one's there. I'm going to be there with one other opponent. And you guys are going to watch me do three specific rounds against that one guy. That way I can adjust in between rounds. We can be on a communication level. Uh, you know, that's a bit better than it was before. And sure enough, man, I feel like, it, that's that's helped me out mentally you know with uh preparing for guys and um and then it also helps out with the fight you know like i've heard you know before i go went and fought peterson i've done that same exact thing seven times with my coaches you know we were at the gym fought some guy every so every thursday i go and spar with my boy george or or it's either tuesday or thursday we get three rounds in it's basically a fight in a cage we got people watching us so it's like i've already been through that whole scenario seven times before I go fight Peterson beforehand. It used to not be like that. It used to be kind of like, 
I'm sparring whoever shows up, you know, five random guys, you know, that could be all different sizes too, like not specific training, you know? So I think doing a little bit more intimate, specific sparring training has helped me out a lot in my last two fights. Julian, I remember you telling me about the mindset part of it when you fought Sean Woodson and you had been cut by the UFC a few times, you were getting another chance and you had to like walk to the cage as like a soldier going off to battle, like a really different one. Like I'm ready to let it all hang out yeah, because of your wife and her sacrifice and all that. I wondered in that third round or a second round, as this fight's getting crazy, I'm looking at uh, you in there and I'm like, is he acknowledging that right now? Like is his mind space able to be there to push himself through? Can you talk about like, can you manifest that inside the fight or is it just kind of autopilot? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking those are the kind of thoughts that are going through my head, like right before I'm walking out, you know, I'm, I'm really thinking about you know my wife, you know, just our finan- financial, you know, burdens that we have, you know, where I want to be, where I want to set us up to be. And, um, and I can only do that if I win my fights. And, uh, and it kind of, it kind of levels me out when I'm walking out to be focused and concentrated at the task at hand, instead of like thinking about a million different things, but definitely when things get rough, when that second round hit about, I would say about middle of the second round is when that fight really broke out into like, <laughs> stop being technical and start just fucking just, you know, just living on the end of my fucking fists. And that's, you know, it's so weird. Cause I do, I do, I do uh, think about those things, you know, these things are kind of running through my head. Like I started thinking about weird things, even in the fight. I'm like, you know, I'm starting to see and hear people that don't even, have anything to do with the fight that are in the crowd or like, you know, I hear the commentators saying stuff. I hear the, I was hearing the commentators talking about, uh, t- safe Saud telling, um, Peterson after he hurt me not to throw big punches to make him small. Like I was hearing all this stuff. And while I'm hearing that, I'm also hearing, I'm also thinking, shit, man, this fight might be over. This fight's over. That's half my paycheck. Half my paycheck means my wife's going to be, you know, we're going to be out fucking 30 grand off my half my paycheck. What the hell is going on here? I got to get my fucking mind right in this. And I got to figure my way out of this situation. And so these things are, they are running through your head. It's crazy what kind of runs through your head in these life or death situations. And it's not life or death, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like career wise, it is life or death for me. So uh, that's where my mind state's at. And I do think about that. And in between the second and third round, you know, I just told myself like, my coaches said, take him down. The only thing I remember them saying was, let's get it to the ground. So that's the only thing on my mind. But besides that, I was willing to just go to war with him and, and, and let the best man stand. And, and, and I knew he was at the same spot where I was, where like our arms were dead, our legs were dead. We probably couldn't do much. It was just going to be a slugfest. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm good at those. I know. <laughs> I didn't realize he was as good as I was at those. <laughs> and so I figured I was going to come out on top regardless. But he definitely made it a bit tougher than I thought it was. Is there a moment like when you when you drop a couple of fights in a row and you lose three? Is, are you, do you start getting plagued with self doubt, or or how do you mentally uh, tell yourself like I still belong here? Because I'm I'm so impressed with when that happens to a fighter and they come back and go on on a, on a great streak like you've been on. Yeah, you can easily go one of two ways. You know, you can you can you can dive deep into the negativity and be like, hey man, maybe this ain't for me. Maybe I should go back to school and become a, you know, a math teacher. Maybe I should go do this or do that. Uh, but for me, I was super optimistic about it. I told myself, if I got to get back to the regional scene, I'm going to whoop those motherfuckers asses as hard as I can. I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. 
And I'm going to figure out a way to get back to where I want to be, whether it's with the UFC or a different big organization. And so uh, mentally for me, it's just crazy because I look back on some of those times and I'm like, I'm just so amazed about how optimistic I was. And like, I was more optimistic at those times than maybe sometimes now. And I am way more successful than I was at those times. But I think those hardships kind of get you in those, in those positions where you can either go one of two ways, stay optimistic, stay positive and just keep pushing through, or you can be negative and just, and, and let it all crumble around you. And so for me, I chose the higher road, but it's just like anything else. You know, you, you, you hear people with, you know, addictions and, you know, they're a family members that dies and they spiral out of control or they go the other way and they stay positive and it, and it gives them uh, something to really uh, uh, to push forward through or something to hold on to, to, to make them believe that, you know, they're here for a reason or whatever the situation is. And I don't necessarily believe in that kind of stuff that I'm here for a reason. I think hard work uh, and putting the hours in will get you there. And so I hope, I hope people that see my story or hear my story just can believe in that. If you just put the hard work in there, it'll eventually happen for you. I mean, I was one of four. I was probably the lowest you could ever be on the totem pole and was able to climb my way out. And now I feel like I'm a, uh, you know, uh, a, a force to be reckoned with with the featherweight division. Even if I'm not technically the best, if people think that they can still beat me, they know it's going to be a fucking hell of a fight. You know, many people, he casually threw out Jim you know, go back to school and be a math teacher. But many people don't know. That's what you were considering, Julian. Like, how close did you get to going to be a math teacher? That was like where you were at a crossroads. Well, you know, it's funny because I, uh, yeah, I was, I went to school for two years in college, uh, right out of high school to be an accountant. And then uh, I, you know, I was, it was a bit boring for me, but I was tutoring people along that in high, in college and, um, and even in high school. And so uh, that was my game plan. I like after fighting, I wanted to be a math teacher or maybe go back to school and look at schools, online schools to do where I could also train and still fight, but I could get my own school or my online degree as a teacher. And so my wife was looking up, uh, schools online for me to go to. And, uh, she actually fell in love with the school for herself. And now she's, uh, she's really close to being a teacher herself. So, um, that's how close it was. It was so close. I was going to be a teacher that now my wife is a teacher because of that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe that's something that I can still do down the road. And, uh, you know, it's something I enjoyed doing at the time. Um, but as of right now, you know, if I can keep, you know, rolling on this train, I'm going to keep doing that and keep, uh, you know, pursuing my dreams. Um, and I still I still feel like I got a, a little bit of time uh, in the UFC left uh, to make even more of a statement. So um, I'm going to keep doing that. And, you know, when I went to college before, I used to see 40, 50, 60 year old people in there taking these classes. So. I can always become a teacher when I'm, you know, at, you know, retired from fighting, but I can't become a, a professional athlete when I'm 40 years old. It's funny. I'm Brendan. I'm glad you said that. Too. I'm such an old asshole. I, when you said math teacher, the first thing I thought was, oh, Gene Simmons from Kiss used to teach math. I didn't realize it was a real <laughs> thing for you. Um, I, I have no grasp of math. That's another thing I'm fascinated with. It's like your mind can, it's like, can get that or, or it can't get that. What's the most advanced math you've been comfortable uh, taking? Pretty sure I took uh, trigonometry in, in college. I mean, it's been a long time because I'm talking like I did college when I, I graduated high school when I was 17, but uh, and I was in college up until about like early 20. And I'm 32 right now, so it's been a long time. But um, I think the last major uh, math class I took was trigonometry at, uh, in a community college. But I mean, it was it was relatively easy for me. And those, but those those classes like math classes for me were easier than like taking English classes. Like I had to take 
when I took those other classes, I had to really put the time and effort into it with math. It was like one of those things I would do the homework while I was sitting in class. I would get it all done while I was in class and and it was really no problem for me. And so that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to become an accountant because I felt like I was good with numbers. My mom was actually an accountant. So that was was driving me to do that. But uh, after taking a couple of years of uh, some of those courses, I realized, man, I'm just too high paced for this. My mind's too, I race, it races too much. I'm too risky, man. I can't, man, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not there's a, not many uh, skateboarding accountants. <laughs> yeah, well, there's not very many friggin' uh, UFC fighter accountants because, yeah. especially not the ones like me, man. You know, like I, I strive to have fights like that. You know, I don't, I love when people reach out to me about that type of fight more than like winning a belt. You know, like just like the 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 positive feedback I've gotten from so many people uh, has been amazing uh, just off that fight. And it was like me and Peterson are guys that, you know, people wouldn't, you know, even think about close to a title shot for years and years and years or, or so far from that anyways. But the fact that they're talking about, oh, my God, that fight was fucking amazing. Like, just like so up in arms about this fight. Uh, it's been amazing, you know, and, and and I do think Steven Peterson, regardless of the animosity that we had, the weight and the previous stuff, uh, for sharing the octagon and and realizing that fight with me. Were those legs kick bothering you at all in the first? And I, I wanted to ask you about that spinning back fist in the first. How clean did that connect? Did you completely block that or did that partially connect? Man, I don't even remember, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> the leg kicks, the first 100%, the leg kicks didn't bother me at all. Uh, you know, I trained with a lot of guys that hammer the legs, you know. Uh, I got guys that were wearing shin pads that kicked me harder than Steven was kicking me. I think uh, Steven was more just trying to set things up with them and just, you know, it's one of some of the leg kicks he was throwing is more of those like tentative strikes. Like before you like really want to uh, uh, commit to something, you kind of stay on the outside with the leg kicks and just see kind of what they're doing. I think that's what he was doing. I think he was taking more of the information rather than trying to damage me. Um, so the leg kicks didn't bother me. And usually I'll, I'll know that more like the next couple of days. And like, so today the, the things that are the most sore on me are the things that I was using versus things that were getting hit. So uh, my legs are perfectly fine. Um, uh, and that spinning back fist didn't really land very good. The only shots that he landed that really did kind of hurt me in the second or in the second round, they were overhand rights. He landed like four, like three or four really good overhand rights in that second round. And those were the ones, there was one that really dazed me. that got me a little fuzzy. Um, but I don't remember any of the spinning back fists really landing solid. Uh, but I also trained with a guy named George and uh, it's funny cause he loves to throw random spinning back fists. I was like, man, you'll be perfect for fucking Peterson. Cause that's like the one strike that Peterson throws. That's a bit unusual and just like random. So uh, it was nice to have George help me get ready for that. So I felt like I was on my P's and Q's about that, but he definitely landed a few good overhand rights that hurt. I feel like you'll, uh, you know, take your time and do what's smart with your wife in terms of that uh, the hundred k bonus and 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 the the purse and all that. But where were you and how did you react when you found out that you had a six figure bonus? Because you've gotten the fifty thousand dollar bonus. Yeah, you know, I've always been one of those guys that just like I fight for bonuses. I don't fight for the 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 uh, the win bonus because. My win bonus is less than 50 G's every like it's been the whole time. It's been less. So I'm like, fuck the my win bonus. I'd rather go out there and make a statement as a fight of the night and get 50 G's and have people have, you know, have more love and respect for me and a bigger fan base than just to go go out and try to hold someone down and get my extra, you know, twenty-seven thousand or my thirty thousand or whatever it is. 
And so uh, I've always been a, a, a bonus looking guy. And uh, with the Jordan fight, the Nate Land, where I didn't get bonuses on those. And I was pretty upset about that because I did a flying knee against a guy who had fucking had a three round battle with Darren Elkins and it's hard to finish. And then I, uh, you know, Darsh choked Jordan after two and a half rounds of a really good fight. I'm like, God, how do I not get these bonuses? And uh, with, especially with the Darsh choke, man, I feel like the Darsh choke is a pretty rare choke for uh, in the UFC. But uh, besides those, um, after this fight, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've given my hopes up with the bonuses before. So we're walking back to the hotel and my coach was like, fuck, bro, you got it. Got I mean, you got it, bro. It's fucking <laughs> yeah. insane. And I was asking people because obviously I hadn't watched it. So I'm asking like the people around me, like the UFC, like work guys. I'm like, man, was that pretty entertaining? They're like, yeah, fucking the best fight so far, at least. Um, so I'm watching the other fights, hoping that there's not like any crazy other fights, which there really wasn't any gnarly fight. I mean, yeah, there was cool down, fight. cool down the rest of the main card a little bit. Yeah. And so I was like, shit, maybe this is it. And, but I told my coaches, I'm like, I'm just happy with my win bonus. Fuck it. I'm a, I was happy with my win bonus because also I was going to get 30% of his show money. So I was already ahead of the game. I already got my three checks. I got my show, my win and his uh, extra money. So that was three checks already. And then uh, my coach randomly said, well, shit, maybe we'll get them five checks. Maybe you guys will get fired than that. And he'll take his money too on that. And I'm like, that would be fucking crazy. We went in the, uh, the hotel, we chilled for a little bit, had a couple beers. We went to uh, dinner, and while we were waiting uh, at dinner, right after Sean's fight ended, I was with my mom, my wife, and my uh, and my other mom, Mindy. We we're just hanging outside, waiting for our table. And Jason Jason House was calling me, and I already knew the only reason why Jason House would be my manager would be calling me right now is to let me know that I got the bonus. So I already knew, like just just my intuition knew that I had a hundred grand on top of it. But obviously, I had to wait for him to tell me, but. Yeah, we screamed on the phone for a little bit, and then we definitely had a really good night at dinner uh, after that. Well, congratulations, man. That, that's, a, that's a great night, and everything worked out for you, and uh, I'm really happy for you. It was, it was a great, great fight, and uh, you know, you definitely, I thought you deserved the win. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. And uh, look, we'll talk to you again uh, soon. Come back on before your next one, and uh, really, really fun to talk to you. Hell yeah, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's always a pleasure. Julian, when you sign that next contract, make sure I'm on the call. Yes, for sure. I can't miss one of those again, right? I always like I, th- I feel like we have some good mojo going. You're just you're just yeah, good yeah, every yeah. time, man. No, man, I, I really uh I, I really enjoy talking to you, Brendan, and uh yeah, you and John, man. It's funny because uh, I talked to my wife and stuff about it. It's like my favorite commentators and the favorite dudes that I like talking to are the guys that aren't really fighters, you know. And I don't really yeah. know your backgrounds and stuff, but you know what I mean. Like you guys aren't the the DC or the uh the Paul Felders or the biz right. I like those guys too. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like they have a little bit of entitlement on the commentary because they're, you know, previous fighters. So it's like, I feel like they don't have to do their homework as much. I feel like you, uh, the guys like you and like John Anik, you guys really put your time and effort into, to knowing everything and really doing your homework. So when I talk to you guys, sometimes you guys will bring up some of the things I'm like, these guys remember this or they know this, or even the fact that you knew that, you know, that the, uh, that we had a discussion about me, you know, wanting to be a math teacher, like just remembering that shit. Like, yeah, well, yeah, there's a delicate balance in doing it and not being creepy. And I'm glad <laughs> yeah. that I have found that line. <laughs> yeah. So I read you like to be tickled. Yeah. There's certain information. <laughs> it's just too much. Right. Julian, all the best, man. Good luck, man. Can't wait for the next one. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good day. Yeah. That's an interesting point you raised about. I never thought about former fighters who are 
do they look look it up less just because they speak the language in a different way from from being a part of it their prep is different because their job is so different so like paul felder probably went back and watched in detail julian arosa's last three four five fights and i can remember what happened by it being written down maybe i called it i remember the darce choke against jordan i really need to know more about his story who he is as a person things that he's changed in this training camp. Like I need to know more of that story-based stuff because I'm not the one to tell you he's got a really good one-two or he uses the leg kick to set up a left hook. That's what the fighters do. So that's why it's it's kind of different stuff. But I can imagine if, you know, you've done interviews too, Jim, where I'm sure people will bring up some, sometimes they're super well-prepared and they bring up stuff and you're like, whoa, yeah, okay, this person did their homework. That's just the type of homework that the play-by-play guys do. So it probably... uh kind of stands out to him a little bit more yeah that's a great point too like there's a, the anticipation like uh, dominic cruz is really great at that uh just setting up and this is what he's doing and the way they see a fight it's just you know i can't imagine not being a fighter then again rogan sees it as well but he, he yeah. did fight and train the way they see what somebody is doing um and the things they notice i try to be aware of it and I, st- I can never see it like one of those guys can see it. yeah and that's why i like dip my toe into martial arts and stuff and i really like jujitsu and all that but the second i start you know calling something a kimura and it's a key lock or an americana yeah, then it's sure. a, I, then i'm then my credit goes down even if i did a bunch of homework so that's just not the job that it is you want to train like a ufc athlete i know i do Climber provides a full body strength plus cardio workout with zero impact right in the comfort of your own home. Burn up to 670 calories. Wow. In just 30 minutes with this state-of-the-art connected vertical climbing machine. Step up your workout game as you utilize up to 86% of your muscles in each workout. You'll never have to worry about arm and leg days ever again. Now you can do them both in one day. Join the climber now. That's CL mbr community and compete on the leaderboard or just compete with yourself with personal benchmarks and train with some of the best instructors on the planet inside hook called climber creative well-made and fun and if you stick with it there's not a shred of doubt in my mind that it's very good at getting people into great shape as the official climbing machine of ufc climber is now available to the best mma promotion in the world now UFC athletes working out in the Performance Institute can get Climber ready. Reach for greatness today by using code UFC to save $250 on your Climber order. Visit Climber.com to learn more. That's C-L-M-B-R, C-L-M-B-R.com to learn more. UFC Unfiltered is brought to you by NEDS, the official wagering partner of the UFC in Australia. Aussie Fight fans, keep an eye out for this weekend's UFC pay-per-view event as NEDS offers a split decision return. This means if you place a head-to-head bet on any main card fight and your pick loses by split decision, NEDS will pay you out as a winner. Plus, you can pump up your odds with a UFC multi simply by combining your favorite markets across all fights on the card. The action doesn't stop with UFC. Neds has everything you need to take it to the Neds level, regardless of what you bet on. For those sports punters, Neds Same Game Multi is now available on more sports than ever before. And for the racing fanatics, Neds Blended is available on all three racing codes. Blended lets you pick multiple runners to win in the same race at special blended odds. It's never been easier for you to be paid out as a winner. Look, whatever you bet on. 
Take it to the Ned's level. UFC markets exclude South Australian residents. Split decision return eligible on first $250 state. Minimum blended odds are $1.10 terms and conditions apply are available on the Ned's website. Remember to always gamble responsibly. Please call 1-800-858-858. Hey, Andrew, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Uh, now, 10 seasons, how many years is that? Because seasons are different than when I was much younger. A season was like a full year. How long is the season for you guys? Season now is, it's, uh, well, we were at like every six months, we'd film six episodes. And they've kind of always wanted to like release it on like Canada Day or Christmas. So it's like they, that six, six episode, six month kind of window. Um, is always, I, I think Jared's always been, quality over quantity and kind of wanting them to leave them wanting more than, Oh, that was too much. You know what I mean? Andrew, where do you shoot the show? Are you LA? No, Sudbury, Ontario. Oh, okay. So you didn't. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And like, so we're, we're kind of scattered all over Canada. Uh, you know, pre COVID I'd spent a decent amount of time in LA, but right now I'm actually in Ocala, Florida with my fiance and her family right now. So oh, there we're about go. to go on tour. I don't know if you guys, heard about this but we're doing a letter kenny tour across the u.s uh which is going to be a ton of fun it's got delayed a few times but now we're, we're going uh march 7th i think we're starting in portland oregon and then we're kind of doing i think it's 26 states uh where we're doing live live comedy sketches so that's gonna be a ton of fun so you play like a hockey player i was gonna wonder like how how you're doing the the live tour but it'll be like a stage show yeah it's a stage show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Now doing that, because I think Shit's Creek did it too, and those guys were doing like like theater shows two a night. I mean, making a killing. So, are you guys gonna do like a Q and A, or is it just sketches, or any of you stand ups? I think there's uh, so K. Trevor Wilson is on the show. I'm not sure if you know who he is. He's a pretty big stand up, and Mark Forward. So they're it's gonna be live sketches, and then uh, they're gonna close the first act with uh, Mark Ford, and they're gonna open the second act with K. Trevor Wilson, and. Uh, I think they were originally going to do a, a live Q and A at the beginning. I'm not sure how it's changed because we were actually in the middle of the tour, and then uh, COVID happened, so it got obviously postponed for a while. But um, yeah, we definitely did a live Q and A at the start for for people who uh, bought that ticket. Yeah. So I want I want to get into MMA. Obviously, that's why we're here, UFC and stuff. But I I grew up playing hockey and a uh, big hockey guy. So like, and you're from Canada where everybody just assumes everyone plays hockey in Canada as a kid. <laughs> That's correct. Now yeah, that you play yeah. a hockey player. Did you play hockey? Did you grow yeah, up? Yeah, I hockey? played, uh, I got to the, the highest level I got to was tier two junior A, but I was joked that I was very fast, but I just had brick hands. Like I, <laughs> I was just terrible. With that. I just didn't have that. I was like, I wish I like maybe played football or something. Cause I always had the legs, but Right. The, the hands, no, not, not so great, but, <laughs> but that it, it'll pay off though. I mean, as, as it already has, but to play off that hockey player lingo and kind of like knowing what it's like to be in a locker room on the bench, how players talk and stuff. I got to imagine playing a hockey player like now in a series is just a heck of a lot of fun. Letter, we always call letter Kenny uh, going to summer camp because everybody's really good <laughs> friends. And uh, I mean, now in Sudbury, they, they do know us pretty well. So we can't just, get as blackout drunk as we used to, but uh, <laughs> um, we, we have a ton of fun. And yeah, like obviously, I mean, you can even tell someone who played hockey just on how they hold their stick, yes. you know, like, like an actor who has versus who hasn't, it's oh, like yeah. very obvious, you know? So 
And I grew up with a lot of Riley and Jonesies. I can't, I might've had a, a window where I was a little bit like Jonesy, but I can't, you know, I was a little bit shy growing up, but I always like, I was a sponge and just took in like all those characters in the locker room in. And um, I know Dylan's the same. So we just, there was a lot of Riley and Jonesy's growing up. Yeah. Well, that's what a lot of good actors do. A lot of good actors just kind of are, are really uh, like, you're much more uh, like talkative and comfortable than a lot of guys who are actors because they just kind of sit there and soak things in. And when in, in yeah. front of the camera, they're brilliant. And then off camera, it's very hard for them to communicate, but that's why they're great actors. Cause they just soak it in. Yeah. I'm not quite like that. I, I do have a little bit more of an outgoing personality. I, my fiance says I really like to chat. Yeah, that's a great thing for interviews, though. There's nothing yeah. worse than somebody who won't talk in an interview. Hey, either <laughs> one of you guys see the, uh, as two hockey lovers, uh, Danbury Trashers uh, oh, documentary? I have yeah. No. No? Oh, man. Uh, the Untold series, the Untold yeah. Stories on Netflix. Yes. Yeah. so good. It, it's about this guy who in Connecticut who owned like a, a bunch of, uh, he owned a huge waste management company. Yeah. He was connected to, uh, I can't remember which crime family in New York, but he's basically like the real Tony Soprano. And he, he bought this, uh, he bought this pro hockey team for his son to manage. And it's just a crazy story. Yeah, 17 so years good. old, his son, AJ. It, <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. fascinating story. It's like, about it really is. they were lower level hockey, like one level under the pros, right? When uh, yeah. AAA in baseball, what is that in hockey? It's like, uh, so it's a like the, it's, it's like AHL, triple A ball. Right. Or like, yeah, it was like, yeah. it was like, or double A, I think it, cause they were the CHL, but it's like essentially like double A ball. Okay. And you are a UFC fan. Um, I think yeah. you probably got into it around the same. I think one of the first fighters I interviewed in person was Liddell. Um, so it's probably guys like him and Rampage, uh, yeah. Jones is kind of what the, the, your era of kind of coming into it. Yeah, me and my brothers, I mean, and also GSP just being Canadian, obviously that sure. everybody was a huge GSP fan. But yeah, my brothers and I like really, really watched a shit ton of UFC growing up. And I still do too. It's just like, it's evolved so quickly. And, you know, if you like tune out for like a couple months and tune back in, I feel like there's a whole crop of new fighters I've never heard of. It's like really hard to keep up. But I mean, I have a huge amount of respect for UFC fighters because once you get past, like, I guess a lot of people say, well, it's barbaric, but once you get past that, which I like as well, it's like, it's so technical and, you know, like, unlike hockey where you're still trying to score or like in football, you're trying to catch a football, like you're trying to like ruin this guy. So like the stakes are pretty high. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching, like, I loved Rampage Jackson like that. Well, I can't remember who he knocked out when he picked up over his, like, he basically picked him up and like right, slammed, slammed him down. down um i can't remember who that was but he had some crazy knockouts but i actually was at i think it was ufc 97 in montreal with uh when it was chuck liddell's last last fight uh but i always loved watching chuck i mean was it chuck liddell versus tito ortiz that whole trilogy was pretty well their third fight was recently like within the last two years i think but i think they i believe they had two in ufc am i crazy no i think that yeah they had two in ufc yeah yeah yeah, I'm think, trying to look up the rampage. The rampage you know one, who it, is? I, it was Pride. I re, I just remember the ropes on the side. I thought it was Pride when he slammed him. He might have had one. He, in the he had one in UFC. He had yeah. one in Pride as well, but he definitely had one in UFC yeah. as well. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Canada is like a big. Um, Canada has a lot of MMA fans, a lot of UFC fans up there. Um, yeah. Tell me, Andrew. Like, I have this theory. I feel like hockey fans and ufc fans there's a there's a nice crossover on the venn diagram yeah on, on yeah definitely 
I mean, you, in hockey, you know, that's the only game where they paused to fight. So, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think like that same, it's like that same uh, aggression, like testosterone, uh, but also like technique. Yeah. I think it's like a perfect, perfect match between hockey fans and UFC fans um, for that reason. Like hockey's pretty violent too. Yeah. I think they've gotten, it's become a little bit more finesse guys, a little lighter, a little smaller than it used to be in the NHL. But um, I mean, there's still fights and I think, yeah, people just like, it's in our DNA. We like, seeing that shit like i don't know what to say like yeah and it's not like i don't know i've heard somebody like oh it shouldn't be allowed i'm like they're the ones doing it it's not like someone's holding a gun to their head like they love that shit so like why not like cares and you're right about the crops of young fighters too it's hard to keep up with it like and it's because the ufc is so good like they have the contender series looking for a fight uh the ultimate fighter all of these things which feature young talent and you watch guys coming up and it all of a sudden you're invested in that fighter yeah. Uh, like, I don't know what makes me a fan. Like, I, I like so like what will make you a fan of a fighter and go like, wow, I like that guy or, or, or I like that woman. Is there anything in particular that's kind of a thread or what do you look for? Um, I mean, early or, I mean, I think earlier on, I really liked like I like the knockout artists. I liked that's why I like Chuck Waddell, Rampage Jackson, John Jones, Anderson Silva. I liked I, I, I mean, Conor McGregor, even like I like the guys who had like a shitload of confidence they had some personality. They weren't afraid to like shit talk and then get in there. And like, you know, Anderson Silva was the king of like taunting people like in the ring. And then he'd go and kind of, you know, you kick him in the head usually. Um, I think that, but then now I'm like, I mean, I used, I don't know if you know, but I used to do a little bit of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like barely. I stopped early. I, I wanted, I remember for like a very small window, I wanted to be a UFC fighter, but that was like, parents are like, no. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, dude, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, no, no chance. But um, I think the tech, I like the technical stuff now more um, like the sweeps, the takedowns. Like it's like this chess match that's going on uh, when it's on the ground. And uh, I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan too. So watching him like break down fights is really appeals to me as well. I really like Israel. Um, Adesanya yeah. now it's like he's really really fun to watch um but I don't know I guess I, I don't really have one thing that draws me to a fighter I think they all have like different specialties but um I like the ones who don't I, li- I like the riskier fighters I guess that's actually some, I like the ones who are willing to take bigger risks see this is the one of the coolest parts about the UFC is that you can gravitate towards all these different personalities. If you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you're supposed to hate the Vancouver Canucks. But if there's a guy on the Canucks who's like a really cool player that is fun and has a good personality, you're like, oh, (laughs) he wears that jersey. I can't like him. The USC, unless they match up, then then you can like all of them. Also, uh, Jim, Andrew, like, Good-looking kid from Canada. He would have got the promotional push in the office. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, they would have got. He would have yeah. got that. Well, you know, we want people from different markets to do well. Canada's got some bright prospects on their way up, but man, I would. Who knows? Who knows what could have happened? What What is it for you? Like, uh, even though you you announce it, like for me, I like guys that just beat the shit out of the legs. Like, I love those guys that will destroy your legs. For yeah. me, that's my favorite initial thing. Yeah. And, and Brendan, what what for you is something that you'll go like that? I like watching more than most things. 
I like fighters where before the event even starts, you can circle it and say, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun to watch. I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Juliana Rosa, who just had on, is one of those types of fighters. Uh, Nate Landwehr, like he mentioned, is that the featherweight's kind of stocked with them. But just those fighters that you know are going to take risks, you know there's going to be an exciting fight. Personality-wise, yeah. like I like the whole drama of it. I like Colby, and I like Masvidal, and they're going to fight. And that's okay. Whoever's going to win is going to win. But the buildup is is fun. It's 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 part of a TV show. You know, it doesn't always have to be scripted drama. It could be unscripted, right. as we know, and uh, yeah. crazy personalities <laughs> that are going to end with actually trying to take each other's heads off. I actually have a question for you guys. Do you because you've interviewed so many fighters. It, do you think uh, most of it's unscripted or scripted as far as like a, a lead up to a fight where they're, you know, trash talking each other. That's a, I mean, <clears throat> it's hard to say it depends on who's who, right? Like Kamaru yeah. Usman is not scripted. Um, no. Colby probably has some lines in his back pocket. He's de definitely playing a part, Yeah, but I would say for the most part, it's not scripted. You do have to get their real comebacks. That's why sometimes they, that's why McGregor stood out because he was so right. quick witted. Like he wasn't scripted. He was just so good and clever right in the moment. And sometimes other fighters would say something that's really stupid because they're trying to come up with that comeback and it doesn't work yeah. out. We've all done it. They do it on stage with a microphone in front of a full stadium. Yeah. It's like a guy like Chael. Uh, Chael Sonnen was so good that he looked scripted, but I, I don't think he was at all. I, he was just a really, really good uh shit talker and, and yeah. an accurate talker and it, yeah. and it never seemed put on or fake it seemed very very um genuine but i think it's genuine because you like like a lot of guys that aren't good at it like a lot of guys just yeah won't do it like and like wonder boy I, mean, I don't think he could shit talk no matter what you say about him he just smiles yeah. and then he fucking you know yeah. puts his fist in your face yeah yeah well i think it's like it takes it takes energy to have that like cocky bravado right so maybe i could see some fighters like they don't want to give too much energy towards that because maybe it yeah. might distract them from what's you know what they actually need to do or some fighters they got they got the gift of the gab you know? it feels weird it's like um like it's weird to give yourself a nickname yeah you know but you kind of have right. to have that extra level of it's cockiness arrogance whatever it is and so a lot of people especially martial artists if they're a you know, real martial artists, they don't want to be that person, but that is the person that will be successful. Uh, or grab some yeah. headlines at least, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sell the fight. Cause exactly. I mean, I know there's like uh, a little bit of controversy with like what they're getting paid and stuff like that, but it's like that, that, that type of the, you know, the nickname, the bravado, all that stuff that draws more people to your fights. That means you're probably going to make more money. So at the end of the day, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not weighing one way or another. But sure. the more you have that, the more you're going to get paid. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trust me. I'm trying to throw myself in the more money pool. That'd be nice if I could just jump on, get a few more dollars. <laughs> yeah, just a few more. Yeah. <laughs> but no one gives a shit if I leave. So I have. No, I really don't like to stand on. <laughs> hey, Andrew. Be, be, before, uh, sorry. Before we let you go, because we're, we're ending shortly. Um, yeah. I, I want to know what what it is. What were you going to say first of all, and then I want to ask you about plugs. But I want to hear what you were going to say. Oh, I was going to ask you about if, if you knew Kate, because I know you, I, you've been a long time stand up, but if you knew uh, Kate Trevor Wilson, have you heard of that? I name? know that I absolutely know who the name uh, belongs to, but I don't think we've yeah. ever met. No, okay, cool. Yeah. Because he saw, he, he put me on you a long time ago because one of your, one of my favorite bits is how you talk about, uh, 
your first brie about like the male circumcision. And oh, the like, oh yeah, that's true yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true story. Because so yeah. I'm actually my my fiance is Jewish, so I'm converting. And um, uh, dude, it's that part is so strange about like how the boils suck. Yeah. <laughs> that should not be allowed. It's it's like the one the orthodoxy. I'm not gonna say it's bad, but it's definitely strange. But yeah, I, was, I know. He, Kate, Kate Trevor Wilson put me on to you. Oh, thank well, you very much. Yeah, Thanks, it's really, really funny stuff. And thank him. Um, Yeah, let, let's plug some of your dates and stuff like that, too. What would you like people to know? This is uh, airing tonight. Um, Where can they find out if they want to come see you guys live or if they want to watch your show or if they want to catch up on old seasons? Yeah, for sure. Um, So you can catch Letterkenny on Hulu in the U.S. Uh, if you're a Canadian, it's on Crave TV um, and it's on Vice in Australia and New Zealand. And um. If you go to Letterkenny uh, TV, you can find out where we're we're performing across the U.S. We're starting in the West Coast uh, and then moving towards the East Coast. So from March, March and April for the most part. And uh, yeah, we're in all like I mean we're in Dallas, Houston, uh, Austin, L.A., San Francisco, Las Vegas, uh, all all the big cities uh, that we could kind of fit in there. So if you and it's a really fun show. I mean, for people who love the show, there's so many. Uh, like cat, like catchphrases and scenes, and you know we're really based, even just based on what we did, we really have fun with the audience. And I, the one thing I will notice about um, American audiences, they're a lot less polite. So like when you yes. get on the stage, you're just like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> so uh, you know we're just like looking forward to meeting some fans and having a good time. So please, yeah, please check it out. It'll be a ton of fun. That's great, man. Uh, look, come back and see us again. We appreciate you coming on very yeah. much. It was really fun talking to you. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me on, guys. All the best. All right, Andrew. Andrew and, uh, and good luck with, uh, with the show. We'll talk to you again. Cheers. This episode of UFC Unfiltered is brought to you by Love Hemp, the official CBD partner of UFC. Life can be a challenge. Whoever you are, we're all striving for a healthier lifestyle. Love Hemp, one of the leading premium organic CBD and hemp suppliers, here to help people like you. The Love Hemp range contains CBD oils, edibles, and topicals contain cannabinoids, which help support wellness and recovery to maintain your natural balance. It's even endorsed and used daily by elite fighters like Gilbert Burns, GSP, and Kamaro Usman. Whatever challenge you may be facing, Love Hemp, they're always in your corner. Love Hemp, helping you to be the best you can be. Available now via lovehemp.com across Europe and coming to the U.S. markets this year. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed.
Have you ever seen that movie Out Cold? It's not about hockey or whatever, but it's just like one of those. It's like a Zach Galifianakis was in it, I remember. But it's just, uh, you know, it's like those kind of shit show movies about a bunch of buddies who are getting drunk a lot and whatever. And this one takes place like in Alaska or way up in Canada or something like that. Something about like Canada snow, cold weather. Like it just makes things funny because they get in weird situations. Yeah, because you know that just walking out the door sucks. So anything that happens is going <laughs> to suck more. Right. And that's what it is. That's what comedy is. Right, Jim? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, it is just taking a bad situation and making it worse. Sometimes watching a good situation be destroyed is fun as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, a, a date that's supposed to go well that falls apart. Um, yeah, I guess it depends on the circumstances. But yeah, I, ice cold weather, something funny is usually going to happen because you, are, you know that they're already miserable. How much are you doing stand up these days? Every night I'm doing tonight and I, and Wednesday I'll be doing it around the corner from the comedy. So I'm doing an hour. I'm just kind of running the hour and I go on six nights a week uh, to work on material. And then I uh, tour on the weekend. That's wild, so, yeah, man. I love That's it. That's awesome. I got to catch you at the gym. Yeah. Anytime you're in Vegas, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a Vegas date, but I'm, I'm doing this something called skank fest, which I'm doing, but that's not till October, but I may be out there before, but I'll, I'll let you know. I'd love to see you at a, at a show and, and, and talk after. Yeah. That comedian lifestyle to me is fascinating. Uh, it's just, I think a lot of people, even somebody like me, who's on TV, it's like, at least I have a rundown and kind of there's fights to support and whatever. It's like, it's just such a unique thing to go up on stage in front of, you know, hundreds of strangers with a microphone in your hand and be like, here you go. Here's an hour, go, go kill an hour and make everyone have a good time. You know, you hope they do. I mean, like tonight, <laughs> there's no pressure because at the room, it's a small room that guys work on material. That's what you do. You go up yeah. and you run your hour. You have notes on stage. You fuck around. Like, um, but yeah, it, it's. I, I guess the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. And if something yeah. doesn't work, eh, you learn to live with it. I kind of like if, if something bombs and I can kind of work with it. Um, then hey, it was a win. I made it funny. The HBO show Crashing. Adam Hunter told me that is like way better than it actually is to try to come up as a comedian. Have you watched that show? No, I've been on and I know Pete and Judd. And I, I've, I, uh, I think I've, I was in like an episode or two. I didn't even watch those. Like yeah. I, I don't watch anything. So no, I have not actually watched crashing, but people liked it very much. It's yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny show. All right, Brandon. Well, thank you so much, uh, for being on today. You're great, man. I, I love having you on. I know Matt loves you too. So whenever you want to come, uh, even if both of us are here, we love having you on. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. I thought I had COVID this morning. I was a little sick, but the test is negative. So you just had to kind of deal with my gravelly voice. But I had a blast with you, Jim. Uh, me too, buddy. And you sound great. You have a really good voice for podcasting, actually. So whatever it is, keep, if it's COVID, keep it. Um, <laughs> thank you to Andrew Herr. And uh, thank you to uh, Julian Arosa. This was a lot of fun. And uh, Brendan, I'll talk to you again. See you next time. For 25 years. Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.